Turn your Bible to Luke chapter 6. We'll be at the end of Luke 6 today. Luke chapter 6. A number of years ago, um, I was uh, mowing the lawn in, uh, in my home. I was mowing the backyard. And as I was mowing the backyard, I, I, uh, you know, I, I got the mower ready and, and I uh, prepared to uh, go. I, I always start you know, around the edges and then uh, work my way toward the center of the lawn. And as I, it was a hot summer day, really hot. And it was sticky hot, like that humid hot, you know. And and where I was in Lake Forest at the time, it was like extra hot. And uh, and it was so it was a hot summer day. And I, I took that lawnmower and I started on on the edge of the lawn and I, I began to to uh, mow the lawn. And as I rounded the corner, I came alongside like a low brick wall in which there's a lot of vegetation off to the side of the lawn there. And it kind of overhung and there was lots of critters and animals and who knows what in that that overhanging vegetation. And as I rounded the corner next to the brick wall, and my in-laws and my wife, for, for whatever reason, everybody was watching me mow the lawn that day. And as I was mo- putting the mower down the side of the, uh, the edge of the, the low brick wall amidst the vegetation, I immediately ran into the largest spider web and spider right straight on my face. I, I was just, you know, just coming along, and all of a sudden I looked up, and there it was, boom. And I, well, my wife and my father-in-law are already starting to laugh. I, first of all, I screamed like a little girl. And second of all, I, I, I just, I started jumping, you know, just like, wah, 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 wah. and my wife and my father-in-law, all they see is me screaming and jumping around like a little girl in the, in the backyard. And they didn't know what it was that had struck me. I mean, just this devastatingly large, like tarantula-like spider right in my face. And I tried to explain to them what had happened, but needless to say, I could not find the spider, nor the web, nor any evidence that such a thing had happened. So they thought it was all in my imagination. Nevertheless, I am convinced that I ran into the largest spider in the city of Lake Forest that day. And, uh, and that taught me a few lessons. That taught me a few lessons. Number one, it taught me that uh, I don't want to mow the lawn anymore. And soon thereafter, I decided to pay a gardener. So that was the first thing it taught me. Number two, it taught me to duck. It really did. It taught me to duck because in the, in the, in the few weeks that I continued to mow the lawn, and there weren't many after that, I would go like this as I went by the vegetation. I would kneel down in terror as I went by that one overly vegetated side of the yard, I would kneel down, I would go slower, I would, I would go more cautiously as I looked in terror for that tarantula. There was a spider. It was large. It was large right there, all over my face. I learned to kneel lower and go slower. Today in Luke 6, Jesus is actually going to talk about leadership. And as he does, he's going to say two things about it. He's going to say when it comes to being a good leader, one who is leading in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
When it comes to leading well, being a person who has character, who has integrity, who leads and guides and instructs others in a way that's, that's good and, and right, he said, I want you to kneel lower and go slower. We'll find out what that means as we read from Luke 6, verses 39 to 49. Would you stand with me as we read from Luke 6, 39 to 49. And he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them, that is, the disciples and the multitudes that were there. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? Verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree, a good tree, does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men don't gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. No, a good man, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do the things I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You may be seated. One more time, verses 39 to 41, and I'll say why I'm stopping so awkwardly in just a minute. 39 to 41. And he, Jesus, spoke a parable to them, the disciples and the multitudes that were gathered. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple's not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Now, we're stopping very awkwardly here in verse 41. We're stopping mid-thought, actually, in some of Jesus' teaching as the part about the specks and the planks and the eyes continues through the next verse and through the next couple of sentences. But I wanted to stop at verse 41 so that we could look back on 39, 40, and 41, so that we could look back upon these verses and ponder just why Jesus, or perhaps Luke, arranged this teaching in the way that he did. Because at first glance, it really seems to be three verses that are completely, completely unrelated to one another. Right? 
it, it really kind of looks like a, a bunch of random proverbial teachings all just kind of flung together at once. Verse 39, blind people leading blind people, falling into ditches. Verse 40, disciples don't surpass teachers, though they might become like teachers. Verse 41, uh, don't pay attention to small, ste- small specks in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye. Do these teachings go together? Doesn't it sort of seem like Jesus is just teaching in a, a kind of random stream of consciousness kind of way? Outside, outside of much of the book of Proverbs, it is actually exceedingly rare for consecutive verses in Scripture to be totally unrelated to the other. In the Proverbs, you find that. Through much of the Proverbs, you'll find consecutive verses that that are truly completely unrelated to one another in the sense that they are standalone Proverbs. One verse may not relate to the next. That's most often the case in Proverbs. But here, in Luke 6, and I would argue through almost all of Scripture, when you have consecutive teachings such as this, even though it may appear at first glance to be completely random stream of consciousness, Where's Jesus going with this? In fact, Jesus is very purposeful in the way in which these teachings go together. Jesus is not flying around from topic to topic. A more careful reading suggests otherwise. In fact, all, I would argue, that Jesus has to say in Luke 6, 39 to 49 is directed at his disciples in particular, at their faithful perseverance, at their building of character and integrity. And here specifically in verse 39 and 49, he's directing his comments at his disciples' ability to lead and teach others well. So if you wish to be a disciple of Christ, like those that Jesus was teaching that day, one who leads and instructs others well, then Luke 6, 39-49 is Jesus' word for you today. Unless you tune out now thinking to yourself, well, I'm not a leader, I'm not a teacher, so this teaching cannot apply to me, I say to you that we are all leaders and teachers in some way, shape, or form. You may not be leading a, a large organization or teaching before large groups of people, but you do lead and instruct every day with respect to your family, your spouse, your children, others at work and in the church. All people have a measure of influence and Jesus' words in Luke 6 today pertain to how we can best ensure that that influence is born out of and guided by the Spirit of God. So today's message, Jesus on Leadership, Kneel lower and go slower. Let's look again at verse 39. It says, And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? Now there are two indications in verse 39 that we're talking about leadership, about influence, about instruction. The first is quite obvious. It's the word lead. Can the blind lead 
the blind. It's right there in your text. It, it alerts us to maybe what Jesus' topic is about to become in his uh, Sermon on the Plain here in Luke 6. But the second indicator that Jesus is talking about leadership, about influence, about instructing others, is actually the word blind. What would that suggest about leadership or teaching? Well, the word blind there is the same phrase, the same word used in other parts of the Gospels throughout the New Testament, in fact, to describe the spiritual characteristic of the scribes and the Pharisees in their vain attempt to get people, to get the Jews, the the common people of that day, to walk in the way of righteousness. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus called them blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch, he said. In Matthew 23, he uses the term blind five times to refer to the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders, leaders of Jesus' day. And twice in Matthew 23, he used the phrase blind guides. They're like blind guides. They're supposed to lead. They're a guide. And yet, they cannot see. Jesus uses this same material about blind leadership multiple times throughout the Gospels. And here in Luke 6, he warns his disciples not to pattern their leadership approach after the Pharisees who showed incredible disregard the Pharisees did they showed incredible disregard for the people around them and they didn't even care when those people would fall into a ditch so to speak the Pharisees they despised and showed disdain for the commoners of their day they were supposed to be their religious leaders but instead of leading them toward the light of God's truth They instead marveled at their own position of superiority over others. The Pharisees were those who preferred socializing with and interacting with those who were of their same similar intellect and social class. They didn't like the ordinary people of the day. They they preferred to, to be with those who were like them, who had their same status in life. With little regard, little regard for those that they were supposed to lead and teach. And what little regard they did show those who were inferior to them, it was always done with a clear reminder of just how smart and holy they were and how lucky the underlings were to have them. They lorded it over their subjects. They showed no concern for the well-being of those under them, not even when one of them might be injured or harmed, fall into a ditch, so to speak. And I ask us as a community, as we consider Jesus addressing these blind leaders and their failures, I ask us, do we often make these same mistakes? Do we make the same mistakes that the Pharisees made in the first century? We all have some under our care. Whether we lead at work or at home, in the church or elsewhere, we all have people that we are at least partly responsible for. Whether family members or children, 
And I wonder, do you ever find yourself not wanting to spend the time and the patience that is needed to guide and teach those under your care? Do you ever feel like your time would uh, be better spent interacting with those of similar education and intellectual capacity? Do you ever find yourself wanting to, instead of dealing with those who you deemed inferior to you, instead, have you ever wanted to simply socialize and interact with those who shared your same tastes and interests and were of a similar social status than you? You know, people who are as cool as you are. I, I fail often at this with my children. I know it to be true. Because whenever my son or daughter does something childish that needs correcting, whenever, they, whenever there's an experience at home or outside the home or in the car where there's something that's childish has happened or something, uh, 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 some sort of mistake has been made or, or they've, they've crossed a certain boundary and it needs a gentle correction or a gentle rebuke, sometimes, often times, one of my first thoughts is, ah, I don't have time for this. I'm, I'm done with juvenile things. My time, my time is better spent at work, right? Casting vision, studying Scripture, counseling and offering my vast, vast wisdom to mature adults who recognize my great contributions. And I think to myself, I don't have time for this. This is childish. This is petty. And yet the Spirit reminds me in times like those, Neil, if you cannot or will not lead the least of these, how much less will you be able to lead those like you? If you cannot or will not pay attention, kneel down, and lead the least of these, gently correct the least of these, how much more so will you not be able to lead others? We struggle often to uh, maintain at Coast uh, our children's teaching positions, right? <laughs> You've heard it many each year. It's without fail. Every year, there's, there's like a prolonged time where we're pleading with others, saying, please teach the children at Coast. We've got uh, positions open for teaching, for helping, for leading. Uh, or on Wednesday nights, we've got positions open. You can lead in Cubbies or Sparks or TNT. You can serve the children, teach the children, lead the children. It is often said at Coast Bible Church that there's an opening for teaching and leading the least of these. And I say the least of these in the sense that from our, our, our vantage point, from our, from our eyes, the least of these. And yet some of us, well, some of us undoubtedly don't sign up because we are legitimately devoting extensive ministry efforts elsewhere in the church or in another local ministry endeavor. Genuinely, we, we've spread ourselves out over a variety of ministries and we, we simply cannot add yet another ministry to our to our, our service. In some cases, that's true. 
But my fear is, is that others of us fail to meet that need to teach and lead children, quite frankly, because we don't consider it that important. We prefer to be with adults. We'd rather be with mature people, smart people. We'd rather listen to the sermon, the adult sermon on Sunday morning and not humble ourselves to the level of simple children's Bible stories and coloring pages. We think ourselves better than that. We think our time is better spent than that. And when that becomes our mindset, we can be sure that we are on the path of neglecting the least of these. Of disregarding those whom God has directly put under our leadership and under our care. Jesus said, better that a millstone were hung around my neck than were I to cause one of these little ones to stumble, one of these children to stumble. That is to lead them into a ditch because of how we've neglected those under our care. When we do that, we fall in the ditch right with them. Our negligence toward the least of these leads to our own demise. The Pharisees neglected those under their care, the commoners of Israel, the Jewish people. They were supposed to lead and teach and instruct and guide, but they were blind, blinded by their own superiority, by their own pride, by their own desire to have their time better spent. My time's more valuable than that. That's childish, they said. Blinded by their own desire for power, for influence. And when the blind leads the blind, disaster awaits. Jesus says, instead, we must cultivate a different kind of mindset. A mindset that deeply and earnestly cares for the well-being of those under our care. Take Take those blind guides, take the mindset of the blind guides who thought themselves too good to stoop down low, to kneel down and exercise godly, humble leadership. Jesus is saying, get rid of these blind guides, open your eyes, see who's in your care, and recognize that you have direct, you have a direct responsibility to reach down and minister to those under your care. He says as much in verse 40. Read it. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Taking responsibility for those under your care. If you take responsibility for them, they'll be like you. Of course, there's a flip side to that. <laughs> they'll be like me even when I lead poorly. They'll be like his teacher, Jesus said. The pupil will be like his teacher. The servant will be like his master. Don't forget, folks, they'll be like you, Jesus says. Your children, your students, your dependents, the people you care for, they will look like you when it's all said and done. 
So beware of the ways in which you express a cavalier desire to show influence in their life. My son Bennett, I love him so much. I love my son Bennett. But I tell you, he can be so uh, grumpy and stubborn and headstrong and, I mean, just obstinate. It's, you know, a know-it-all. And my wife and I, my wife and I, we look in the mirror and we look in the mirror and I say, honey, he is just like you. (laughs) No. We look in the mirror and I go, oh, oh. That's me at my worst. Stubborn. That's me at my worst. Grumpy, obstinate, headstrong, know-it-all. Right, honey? Bossy. Anything else? This is therapeutic, you know, this will help. I look in the mirror and I go, that's me at my worst. Bennett looks like me. He looks like me sometimes. His worst qualities are my worst qualities. Thankfully, some of his characteristics also include a deep, caring, and sensitive heart, things he gets from his mother. But we must be reminded that those in our care will look like us. So Jesus says, lead and teach them well. He says in verse 40, it is proverbially true, it's generally the case, that while very few disciples go on to exceed their teachers, very few of, very few of our, our, our students, those under our care, go on to exceed us in the sense that they, they go beyond our, our, our level of uh, the, the quality and the characteristics that we attempt to implement in them and, and teach in them. He says all well-trained disciples will bear the qualities and markings that emulate their teachers. Everyone who is well-trained, perfectly trained, will be like his teacher. So take the time to lead well. Kneel down. Go slower. Leadership is not like fast food. You cannot drive up, order, pay, and get the food in 60 seconds. No, leadership is like a slow-cooked meal the end result of of which takes time. It takes multiple ingredients, fresh ingredients. Not something you just cherry-picked from the latest leadership technique or, or some fad that you learned from modern philosophy. It takes multiple and fresh ingredients, ingredients that emanate from God's Word, which added together at just the right moment in the cooking process make a great meal end up with a lasting taste and satisfaction. Elsewhere in the Gospel of John, Jesus made a similar statement to what we read in Luke 6.40. In Luke 6.40, it says, a disciple is not above his teacher. In John 13.16, Jesus said, "Most most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Very similar reading to Luke 6.40. Why do I bring this up? Because of what Jesus was doing right before he made the statement. 
Do you know what he was doing in John 13, right before he said, a, a servant is not greater than his master? He was washing his disciples' feet. He was kneeling down and washing their feet. As he's making the theological point that as masters, as teachers, if we want our servants, our students, those under our care to be like us, Jesus said, kneel down and serve them. Pay attention to them. Don't be superior and lorded over others and assume that your time is, is better spent with those of similar intellect and capacity as you. Jesus says, no, you've been given those under your care for a reason. Kneel down. Go slower. Spend the time that is required to make an imprint upon their life. He was washing their feet. Jesus knew the value of getting on his knees and doing what we might consider a very childish and mundane thing. To wash someone's feet in the first century, that was slave's work. And that's exactly what Jesus did. It was juvenile. It was mundane. And yet Jesus got on his knees. And he went slower. He knew the value and the impact that he would have with a humble disposition, a slower approach to those under his care. So spend the extra time needed to communicate the hearty meal of God's truth to those under you. Don't neglect those with a fast food approach to their development in Christ. It won't work. It won't work. You say, well, how do I slow down in my leading and my teaching? How do, I, how do I slow down with my children, with those under my care? What are some things that I can do as I try to kneel down and be with them on their level? Jesus continues in verse 41, gives us an answer. He says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye? When you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Again, this is actually directed at the topic of leadership. How do we know? Because Jesus is still saying to remove the speck. He's telling his disciples as he's teaching them in Luke 6, he's saying, yeah, the speck is important too. And he says at the end of verse 41, remove it. Admonish them, teach them, guide them. Get rid of the sin, get rid of the weakness, get rid of the shortcomings, help them. If you see a brother taken over in a trespass, gently rebuke him and help them. But first, first, pay attention and fix your own. Your own sin, your own shortcoming, your own areas of weakness. This goes back to to verse 37 of Luke 6, where he says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Because if all you have to offer to others is a judgmental, condemning spirit, if all you're doing is saying, speck, 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 I see a speck, get it out. You got another speck. Oh, let me help you. If all you are, as a parent, 
as a leader, as a spouse toward your other spouse, if all you're doing is saying, oh, there's a speck, whoa, there's a speck right there, you better pay attention to that, you better clean that up, work on that. If all you are is a judgmental and condemning spirit, Jesus says, you will find that your ability to correct their behavior is null and void. A better leader, on the back of your outline, a better leader and a better teacher is one who lets the Spirit and the Word of God continually, write that down, continually convict and show where change is needed. A better leader, a better teacher is one who lets the Spirit and the Word of God continually convict and show where change is needed. Open arms saying, Lord, show me. Tom says, Pastor Tom says, whenever he preaches and teaches the Word of God, his first question in the text is, how am I convicted by this? And I think that's a, a wonderful approach for anyone teaching God's Word, is to say, before, before I'm going to teach this to anyone, I'm going to read this from God's Word and say, where, God, do I fall short as it pertains to this? Let the Spirit and the Word continually Convict and show where change is needed. And secondly, a better leader and a better teacher is one who shares appropriate measures of that experience of spirit-led personal examination with others who need to do it themselves. I'll say that again. A better leader and teacher is one who shares appropriate measures of that experience of spirit-led personal examination with others who need to do it themselves. In other words, a better leader and teacher is one who, first of all, takes care of the plank in their own eye, is constantly open arms to God saying, where can I improve, Lord? Where am I in sin? Where do I need conviction? Where do I need change? And then to take appropriate measures of that experience of going before the Lord and saying, show me God, show me God, taking appropriate um, experiences such as that and bringing them in to your conversation with others about the specs in their eyes. It's like the old axiom, values are caught, not taught. Keep growing in holiness and sanctification. You're not done. You're never done. So keep growing and asking God where you can improve and as you do this, show to others in your care your children, your spouse, those who, with whom you have influence and lead and teach, show them within reason, measurable, show them instances in which you've shown this knack for daily assessment and improvement and growth in Christ. And you'll find that their respect toward you will grow as will your influence over their life. Instead of pointing out their specs all day long, why not instead, before you address that speck, talk about one of, the, one of the planks that you've recently dealt with? Bring that to the table. Show them how you're seeking the Lord in making growth in this area of your life. And let that lead into a conversation about some of the specks in their own life. This is especially helpful to do parents with children so man we're so quick to just correct 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 the behavior correct the behavior 
There have been a few times and some of the most effective times in which I've gone into my son or daughter's room and instead of immediately desiring to correct what was just done uh, by them that, 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 that needed admonition, instead for me to walk in and talk about how, you know, when I was a kid, this is what happened to me. When I was a kid, this is what I did. I know what that's like. And here's how God worked on my heart. All of a sudden, you see your child's countenance and their demeanor change. A better way, a better way to approach leading and correcting and admonishing others. For leadership is about integrity. Character is where it starts. Character is where it ends. And the nature, the source of our integrity comes from the Lord and His Word. Read verse 43 to 45. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree is known by its own fruit. For men don't gather figs from thorns or grapes from a bramble bush. No, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People love to hear themselves speak. Um, We love to hear ourselves talk. Talk, 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 talk. We talk about how smart we are. We talk about how wise we are. We talk about how much we know and how much others need to know what we know because we know so much and they need to know it. You know? But Jesus says that our fruit, our fruit... And he defines fruit, by the way, in verse 45, as our words. Our words in this context. They reveal what kind of tree we really are. As fruit reveals what the tree is, you, you, you pick the fruit and you go, oh, that's an apple tree. Or, oh, that's an orange tree. As the fruit reveals what the tree is at its core, so also our words, what we say, reveal what kind of person we are on the inside. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 15. Turn, hold your spot in Luke. Turn over to Proverbs, middle of your Bible, briefly. Proverbs chapter 15. Grab a Bible if you don't have it and turn there. Proverbs chapter 15. A few thoughts on our words. Proverbs 15, verses 1 to 4, and I'll skip around a little bit within it. Proverbs 15, verses 1 to 4. Solomon writes, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Look at verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And then jump down to verse 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good it is. Take note of those, that phrase, in due season. In other words, less is more. It's not always appropriate. It has to be in the right season. And when I lecture my children, 
I lecture my son and I drone on and on and on. I, sp- I see his spirit and his countenance dim and dim and dim. But when I correct Bennett in gentleness with soft and wholesome words, words that often include stories of my own struggle in sanctification and in holiness, then all of a sudden he perks up and he really listens. He loves to hear stories of when daddy messed up as a kid. Lots of stories. Lots of stories today. He perks up and he listens much more so than a lecture than he'd listen to my lecturing. He listens and he asks questions and together with the Spirit's help, we achieve the kind of heart change that we were looking for all along. But you have to kneel down and you have to go slower. It takes longer that way. But the results are better. It's not fast food. It's a slow-cooked meal. You might say, okay, okay, I know. Slow down, I know. It's about the process. Okay, I got it, I got it. But can you teach me something new, something fresh? You know, the best, the latest technique. What's, what are they saying in the latest parenting books, leadership books? Uh, how, do I, how do I be a person of influence? What does it say out there, Pastor? Jesus says, nope, not shortcuts, not shortcuts. Luke 6, 46, we end with this. Why? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Two men building a house. One man chooses the longer route, undoubtedly the longer route. He took the time to dig. And shoveling takes time. You can shovel all day and barely make a dent in the ground. Yet you'll have blisters to show for it all over your hands. But this wise man, he took the longer route of shoveling deep into the earth for many, many hours, many days, many weeks to get to that sure and steady foundation, to get to the core And when he got to the core, then and only then did he begin to build. And his house, his namesake, the product of his effort, it was strong. And it lasted the test of time and storms. As we lead and teach 
and have influence over others, we mustn't be too proud to, to, to not take up the shovel, to do the mundane task of digging. Only when we dig deep, within ourselves first, by the way, only when we dig deep within ourselves and then when we dig deep to find the core issues impeding the growth of those we love, only then will we be ready to build a spiritual house that will last the tests of life and the storms and trials. Jesus says, kneel lower, take that shovel, do the mundane, kneel lower, and go slower. As you do, you will find that your leadership and your influence over those under your care, they'll start to look a lot like you and you'll look a lot like Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we know and have learned here today that there are no shortcuts when it comes to leading, teaching, and having influence. We know that it takes a man or woman of character and integrity, God. It's not about being superior or lording it over others. It's not about lecturing, using many, many words to communicate our point. It's about kneeling down. It's about identifying with those we lead and teach. It's about serving them as Jesus washed his disciples' feet. It's about going slower, Lord. Help us to go slower in our efforts to lead and to teach and to have influence. And God, would you please, please remind us to kneel down to We are not too good. We are not too wise or too educated or of a certain social class that we cannot get down on our knees with those who need our guidance and our direction. Help us to humble ourselves. Kneel down and go slower. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.